glory to Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the lives of the millions of Christians that died in Russia from 1917 to 1989. We celebrate their victory in the sense that they were led as sheep to the slaughter. And we have been blessed because more died in that time period than died in the first three centuries of Christianity. The most, you might say. The most. They can't even estimate how many really died because so many died and nobody ever heard from them ever again. And not only didn't hear from them, but their names were probably forgotten as well. So some people, I, I remember when there were, uh, in 1991, 92, 93, when they first overthrew the communist yoke in Russia, um, or were attempting to, I remember people saying, yeah, 100 million people, you know, died. Well, we don't really know how many died. Many, many died. And some of them have the most amazing stories because they weren't necessarily thinking that today would be their last day on earth when they were taken. So I've met people from Russia all the way to Romania that were part of this Bolshevik um, communist uh, their attempt to destroy God. I was in Solovki, which is in the very northern part of Russia. And I was there um, with my friend Anatoly. Solovki was the first gulag established by the communists in the, in the early 1920s. It was a, it's a famous monastery. And so they, show, they have a histor, histor, historical archives that you can actually watch because the communists thought that they were so powerful and so strong they thought they had killed God and so they came in there and they ransacked the monastery they literally blew up the churches you see these beautiful domes just that had been around for so long just tumbled to the ground they turned skeets into torture chambers they turned stairways into immediate death they turned everything that you could imagine. They made them dig. This is a hundred kilometers south of the Arctic Circle. And they made them dig t trenches day in and day out. If they lived too long, they just simply killed them. That was the way for any religious person that got taken to Solovki. And there were over the years, it closed actually in 1939. And in that time period, over 100,000 people were processed through the, through the gates of that, uh, that prison. And uh, of that, half of them died. Half of them died. That they're counted. Now, they, once they established 
the gulag there, then they went to the, the surrounding islands and they set up other gulags. So more people died than even that. And it's, it's gruesome to even think about the kinds of torture that they enacted on people. But they did. And what made these people special? They were bishops, they were priests, they were readers, they were religious. And they literally froze to death. Man, some of them froze to death. So these people and others as well, like in Romania they had gulags, they, they reestablished gulags in Romania in the 40s and 50s and the, and I met actually two people or three people I met that actually were in those gulags. They, we, we, they called, people refer to them as living martyrs because short of death they, they served two 14-year terms. One is Elder Cleopa, one is Elder Justine, and there were three or four other of these elders that I, and I, and I was able to meet a couple of them. And one, two of them lived in a forest for seven years in the mountains just lived in this forest, but they eventually were caught. So, what could you say once you got caught? You were asked if you were a Christian, if you were a Christian, even if you weren't a Christian, even if you had some belief, even if you looked like you were smart, they would, they would just want to kill you and or destroy you. And so they, they, in Romania, they sent about to literally how to separate a soul from a, from a human being. They beat them so savagely. But there were these great, incredible elders that were in the, in the darkest regions of the prison that would reach out to these young men who were brought in. Some had just been students in college and brought in. They would, they would take them aside. They would hear their confession they would, when they got word that a person was going to be martyred the very next day, they would take um, raisin juice and breadcrumbs and they would perform the divine liturgy over the body of the person who was going to be martyred the very next day. So, in patience, possess your soul. We in this country have never had to face anything like this, ever. Not saying we won't ever have to, just saying that we have never to this point ever had to do it. But these men and women, they were incredible. Because they're not like somebody who lived in the 4th century that you can hardly relate to, you know, or St. Basil the Great or Gregory the Theologian or something. These are people that lived in modern times. And having lived in modern times, they were aware of all the kinds of things that you're aware of as well. My daughter is named after a great saint, Saint Lydia, who was martyred in 1926 or 27. And she was just simply a secretary in the forestry bureau, somewhere in the middle of Russia someplace, where there were a lot of trees, and, and she was just working in his office. 
And so what she would do is she would literally, because the church had went underground at that point in time in Russia in the 1920s, she would type up lives of saints. Because although they could take away the churches, they could take away um, a lot of different things they could take away, they couldn't take away the... Um, the, uh, the 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 uh, understanding of saints, and that's something that Saint Lydia did. She literally typed up on her keyboard, on her and her uh, old-fashioned um, typewriter. She typed up the lives of saints and made copies and distributed them to the church, the underground church. And she was doing quite well until the KGB or the GPU, whichever one it was, uh, they were called at that time, discovered this, these Lives of St. Brochures had a broken letter. And so they discovered the broken letter and they, they traced it to her. And then they did their work on her. They beat her for like seven to ten days. And she held up, she, can, she was held fast, she was strong in the Lord, and um, then they were going to do a really terrible thing, an assault on her with many men, and at that moment, they led her into this room, they tied her down, at that moment, one of the guards, Alexei, he literally felt very, you know, kind of different, and he felt this, this like the, like the air was like humming or something, and all of a sudden he just looked at what was happening, and he took out his gun and he began to shoot the other guards that were going to assault her, and he then was shot by the guy behind him, and as he fell forward, he said to the saint, Lydia, he said, take me with you, saint, I believe. And so this story would never have been told. You never would have heard of this story, except the guy that shot him ended up in a mental hospital not long after, and then he converted to Christianity, and he, tell, and he told the story, and he wrote the story down about this brave young woman who was only like 26, 27, something of that nature. She was young. She's like any one of you all, sitting at a job, typing away at your thing, and all of a sudden, grabbed up. And that's how prepared they were to face their end. Because that's not a natural thing for us, any of us. That's not natural. And it's, it's something that, um, for us, you know, it's, we take so much for granted. We take tomorrow for granted. We take the day after that for granted. And maybe we should to some extent, but in reality, we should guard our time. Guard our time. We should be prepared. Well, how are you? can you be prepared? How can you be prepared for something as brutal and as awful as that? Well, you can be prepared in one way. There's only one way to be prepared, and that is to align your will with the will of Jesus Christ. To align yourself with Him in all things. There is no uh, other way, because that's what we're called into. When we come to baptism, when we get baptized, 
We now belong to him. We have died to this world and we belong to him. He loves us more than anything. He loves every one of us. And he wants every one of us to find salvation. There's not any person that in this world that he would not want to help have found salvation. Even the most heinous criminals uh, in the world. The first person into paradise was the good thief. So for us, brothers and sisters, it's important to we acknowledge that this brutal, brutality occurs in the world. There's been so many brutal men that have lived in this world since that time period. We have, you know, just how many people died in World War II, Vietnam, in other wars that we, that we seem to be involved in. How many people have died? And even, you know, this one young lady, she was in Columbine when that shooter was going on raging throughout the campus, killing anyone he could see and find. And he said, are there any Christians here? And this girl stood up and he shot her. And I believe she's like one of the early martyrs, one of the martyrs in, in California today. She's a, a young girl. All she did is stand up for Christ. What an incredible thing. So maybe we'll never have to do that. Maybe that'll never happen to any of us. And hopefully it won't, it won't happen in this country. But the thing is that we have to be prepared for anything and everything that could happen. And so in order to do that, we have to be prepared. And as I said, the way to be prepared is to align your will with Jesus Christ. As he aligned his will as, as fully God and fully man, as he aligned his will as a man with God, and so he was free to, to do and to suffer and to do all the things that he did for our salvation, and including raising from the dead. So he taught that to us so we ourselves can do that as well. We also can find our way. We also can find our way to him just through worshiping him first and foremost above all things and loving him with all of our heart and soul and mind and loving our neighbor as ourself. In fact, that's what was so beautiful about these gulags in Romania in particular and some of the gulags in Russia is that the men that were in these gulags in particular, and in Romania they had men and women in different prisons, but they had men and women. These men and women loved each other. They cared for each other. That's how they escaped having their souls stripped away from them because they loved. They, they, they prayed together. They, they worshiped together. They, they fasted together. They suffered together. They did everything together. They were together in that sense of brotherhood and belonging to one another. And so that's what we have as well. We have that same sense of brotherhood here in the joy of all his sorrow, that same sense of belonging one to another because God loves us and he loves us and he gives us the ability to love. And so as we act in that sense of fellowship one to another, one for another, supporting each other in all things, as we act in that way, we are following the will of Jesus Christ and in that we are free. We are free from anything that could occur in this world. So may God give us the strength. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever.